I guess I wasn't even aware that Beethoven wrote for such a, a small grouping of, of instruments. Do you think that there's any evidence that supports whether or not he preferred writing for smaller groupings of instruments, or did he prefer writing for big you know, symphony orchestras? Well, the reality you know, of music at that time is that if you wanted to write for, let's say, symphony orchestra, the music was not really being played in King's Palaces anymore, right about the time 1800 and on, mm -hmm. that it became the emergence of music for the people. And so concert halls in the center of cities selling tickets and anybody could buy a ticket and go to it instead mm -hmm. of having to be offered an invitation from a king or yeah. a count or <laughs> right. you know, to come to their so 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 there was a beginning of a notion of this. Now Beethoven, when he did concerts like that, the concerts would go on for six or seven hours and it would be two or three symphonies and a couple of piano concertos and, oh, a, and a piece for course. Oh, I mean it was just like it was the biggest banquet. You just couldn't believe how much music was on these concerts. Did you get like snack breaks, or I mean, I don't know. Or the people get up and you know, <laughs> you have to go to the bathroom. Or right. Something, you know? I mean, like, <laughs> but but there was, and and of course, the, all these musicians were having to play these pieces too. Mm -hmm. So they must have had breaks. But just that idea was was really difficult. Yeah. But then, then so how many? It was a huge production to do that. Mm -hmm. So the, to have then concerts in people's homes. Mm -hmm. And uh, so patrons who were, sometimes they were nobility, sometimes they weren't, but they had money. And they would, a lot of these chamber pieces were premiered. So you would have performances of pieces. Mm -hmm. You write something and it would be performed. Or a solo piano piece. Yeah. Or the small, as you say, smaller Smaller things could be done in people's homes. Yeah. Chamber music. Yeah. Yeah, chamber music is, is part of uh, playing in people's homes or playing in chambers, smaller smaller sorts of halls. So it's basically like chamber music as I, I kind of think of it. And I know that this is not necessarily co completely correct, but like chamber music is sort of like uh, jamming, like, you know. You've got a garage band, and you're and you're jamming with with friends. It's mm -hmm. more sort of casual and intimate. And then you know when you're doing a big work for a symphony, right. it's like putting on you know doing doing all of the things you have to do to put on a live performance in front of a a big audience. Lots you know you're people. dealing right. with the logistics right. of all of that. Right. And, right. Yeah. So well, well, you know, okay. Here's another way to look at that. That's right. What yeah. you're saying. Here's another way to look at it. You and I are could touch each other uh -huh. now. We're so close. Yeah. And so there's a way in which when we can talk to each other about things that are really important, we have the kind of a level of intensity mm -hmm. because of that proximity. We're really close. And so we can say intimate things. We can say important things. And, and then there can be commentary and real conversation about that. Mm -hmm because my voice and your voice are really important in that discussion. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that happens in chamber music also. That it's composers traditionally write their most significant compositions when they're really doing the vulner most vulnerable 
thing, mm-hmm. they'll go to the string quartet. And um, I, for example, the American composer Aaron Copland, mm-hmm. um, my string quartet, the Concord Quartet, called him and said, we want you to write us a string quartet. He says, oh, I can't do that. That's way too hard. <laughs> but he's so famous for writing all these big orchestral pieces. Right. But the idea of writing something for four people that was that, where there was this level of significance and doing something so important that each voice has something important to say mm-hmm. and writing it in such a way that everything that each person does is really important. Now, when we're sitting as close as we are now, that proximity to the art itself brings us, the listener, very close to that. And it allows for a lot of this activity to happen. Mm-hmm. When you're listening to a symphony orchestra, we have to get away from it. We have to sit further away. You have to pan back right, to pan take it back. all in. Exactly. Yeah. You get the big, broad thing. What's interesting is that what's going on in the orchestra is usually one important thing is happening, and and then there's a lot of activity around it, but it's enhancing the one voice, mm-hmm. sometimes two voices, right? Mm-hmm. But if you get more voices than that, that it becomes slightly chaotic because it's too big for all those voices to be perceivable. Mm-hmm. Is that making sense to you? Yeah, yeah, and, 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 definitely. And so, so, but when you get in there and really close and really intimately and really, really right tight like that, mm-hmm. chamber music can do that. Same. It's kind of like, um, it makes me think of, you know, writing a, like, form poetry like a like a like a haiku or, or something exactly. like that where you you have these restrictions as opposed to writing say a novel mm-hmm. and in in that you have to make this haikus can make such impact right you know with 17 syllables right. and in a novel the writer has an opportunity to sort of pile up words until until everything is said and, and so that's kind of Maybe a, a right. good analogy for what right, I'm exactly. saying. Right, exactly, because every word in a poem, every word and every the sound of every word, yeah, is is there's so much that goes into that uh-huh. to make it really great. Yeah, and uh, every little thing counts. Yeah, it's very it's a very good apt analogy. Yeah. Okay, good, good. I made a good analogy, you guys. And we should stop the show there before I say something that is no good. thanks for listening to this classical classroom preview the full episode with norman fisher will be available monday june 2nd go to houstonpublicmedia.org backslash classroom listen to us on itunes go to soundcloud.com backslash classical classroom or listen on stitcher radio